Hello, and welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 187. Today, we're going to talk about authenticity. My computer is a little glitchy right now. I'm giving, I'm trying to talk very slowly. I probably need to stop moving my hands. It clearly makes it confused when I do that. So I'm hoping to give my computer a little time to catch up. Um, Hopefully not too much of the glitchiness is caught on the recording, but we'll see. So we are going to talk about authenticity today. This is one of my favorite topics. I love talking about this. I have other podcasts where I explain this, but I really think that it's one of the most powerful tools and concepts to understand and to utilize for creating whatever it is we want to create in your life. For those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm your host. I'm Dr. Delaine Vaughn. I'm a board certified family practice doctor and a certified life and weight coach. I take those two skill sets to help women reverse their type two diabetes and live a naturally healthy life. So if that's what you're interested in, you are in the right place. Before we get started, I always like to mention that if you are on medications for your type two diabetes, that you will want to be careful when you are making these adjustments. If you are taking meds for your diabetes, if you've been given prescription medications for your diabetes, you are going to want to be very careful when making these dietary changes or making these lifestyle modifications while you're on medications. Recognize the meds you have been given have been given to you because of the way you used to eat. If you change the way you eat, the meds that you are taking will also need to change. You can get very sick with those if you are not making those adjustments. So you need to have a good line of communication with your medical provider opened in order for you to contact them and let them know what your blood sugars are so that you can make adjustments or get some guidance on how to make those adjustments to the medications. So please be aware of that. If you are taking medications and you start making these dietary and lifestyle modifications, you can get quite sick, even deadly sick. If you make those changes without making changes to your medications. So get your doc, get the doctor's nurse on the phone, let them know what you're doing ask them how they want you to relay your information to them and then start that process and start doing that so you can stay safe while making these changes. Um, I also want to remind everybody, if you're enjoying this podcast, if you're finding this podcast helpful, if the information that you are getting from this podcast is helping you see changes in your life and your health and your blood sugar numbers, please rate, like the podcast and rate the podcast. Those two things will allow others to get this information, to get my podcast put in front of them more easily. So please, please rate the podcast, like the podcast, um, give it, you know, however many stars, hopefully a four or five star review if you're finding this helpful. Um, give it those reviews so that others can get a hold of this information and get the same help you're getting. And then lastly, follow me on Instagram and Facebook, Delane MD. Thanks mom for giving me a weird name. It's the only one out there. Like Delane MD, it's easy enough to find. That's me. Find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook. Um, both of those two places I offer all sorts of information. It's a great way to contact me. Um, and I tell you things like when I'm doing my next five day session or when there's going to be a, you know, webinar, you know, what's going to be happening that there's going to be information for you so that you can get better strategies to help learning, help you to learn how to eat healthier and live that naturally healthy life. So lastly, before we get started into authenticity, which again is one of my favorite things to talk about before we do that, though, I do want to share with you, I was reading, I'm reading a book and For anybody who knows me, you know that I'm illiterate. I can't, I can read. I just don't. I usually listen on audiobook. 
I have been listening to this book. It's called Brain on Fire. Very interesting story um, about a woman who had a brain illness. But it talks about a lot about how the brain works. Part of what this book goes into is how the brain functions, the science of the brain. And what was really interesting, and I thought immediately of the ladies that I work with in my group, was when it talked about how memories are laid down. Memories are temporarily laid down in the hippocampus. So this part of the brain, it's kind of this way station for neuron, what we call neuronal patterns. So neuronal grooves, this function of the neurons where there's neuron A to neuron B to neuron C to neuron D and gives you action blah, or gives you a result of whatever it is, right? The hippocampus takes these patterns of new memories and the pattern of the neurons, right? Neuron A to B to C to D or whatever it is. And it holds them in the hippocampus and it holds them. I'm not sure exactly how long, or like, I don't know what determines how long it's held there, but they're held there in the hippocampus before they're moved into long-term memory until they kind of cement this neuronal pattern down in a way that it becomes a long-term memory. So it takes a short, uh, an event and these neuronal pathways or these neuronal patterns, and it holds them temporary and short-term memory, temporarily in short-term memory in the hippocampus before moving it to long-term memory. So I found this interesting because frequently when I work with women, a lot of times when I hear them say the thoughts that I hear from them, a lot of times is it, it, it's totally tied up with memory, right? There's all this memory component. I have to remember to tell myself this. I have to remember that that happens with my blood sugars whenever I eat that food. I have to remember what my body is trying to tell me or my body is not trying to tell me in this situation. There are all sorts of things that women say to me and they, they use this phrase of like, remember this memory component that they have to remember X, Y, and Z. So if you think about, I've always told people, it just takes time to develop these new thoughts. You have to practice them over and over. I liken it to building a muscle. If you try to build a muscle bicep, you're not going to, or the bicep muscle, you're not going to build a great bicep off of one bicep curl. That's not how it's going to work. You have to do multiple bicep curls before you're going to form a bicep muscle, right? You have to think the thought multiple times before it becomes this like go-to thought that's just popping into your brain before it becomes really a functional thought. Giving yourself the space. And, and I really do. I'm like, oh, it has, I, I'm sure it has to do with this short-term experience getting transposed into a long-term experience, these neuronal patterns being utilized in the short-term setting and then getting cemented kind of into this long-term event or long-term um, neuronal pattern. So if you think about like, so that's two years. So it apparently like it takes two years to like, not every memory, but it can take up to two years to move from that short-term memory into the long-term memory, to move from that hippocampus where it's holding it as a short-term memory into a more stable part of the brain where it's a long-term memory. So what they did is there was, um, there was a human who had their hippocampus knocked out is essentially what it is. Um, through a series of events, they ended up losing their hippocampus, surgically losing their hippocampus. And what they realized is that person, that human had, there were no memories, like up to two years, things that had happened two years prior to that surgical event 
they had lost memories up to that point. And that's kind of where they came up with this idea that like, oh, these short-term memories can live in this temporary setting for up to two years before they're transferred into a long-term setting. And this whole idea that, oh gosh, if memories need that long to lay down, of course, our thoughts and changing our, our, you know, feelings and our behaviors may take that long also. Are we willing to give ourselves the time that it needs? Like, what if it's just the time that we require to make these changes long-term? And we're so impatient with ourselves to see this change and it's unnecessary impatience because it's just the time that it takes. And can we give ourselves the gift of that time? So I loved hearing this. I loved hearing it explained that way. And I loved thinking about this um, for everybody, all of us who are trying to make changes in the way that we are doing things to up-level our life, to become better, to do things um, in a way that aligns more with who we are and what we want to create in our life versus these things that we've done for years in the past and maybe aren't creating what we want, right? It may take up to two years to make these changes long lasting. And what a gift it is. There's no rushing. Like it's just the gift that we're going to give ourselves because it's just the way the brain works. I thought that was great. I hope you find that interesting. I found it incredibly interesting. Okay, let's talk authenticity. This again is one of my favorite topics. I think authenticity is one of the most powerful things that we have as human beings when we can just own our our being authentically, own who we are authentically. The fact that I don't like the color orange. I don't know. I like the color orange, actually. I'm trying to think of something I don't like. I don't like, um, I don't like, um, mollusks, um, like clams, like people eat those. And I'm sure I'm not using even the right word. I don't like that. I just don't like the texture of it. I don't like shrimp. How about them apples? I don't like shrimp. Lots of people love it. I don't like shrimp. And I just own that authentic, authentically, right? Like I don't like the texture of them and maybe I could like them, but the things that you would have to do to make me like them, like the amount of butter and the thing, I'm like, I don't know that it's really worth it. Like, I don't, I just don't like it authentically. And so just learning to own that and be okay with that. And it's okay if people have judgment about it because it's just who I am. That's authenticity. Knowing who you are on such a foundational level and that it aligns with your core and your integrity and all that you value, right? Like I value health, adding a bunch of butter to a food that I don't really even like to make it palatable, like just doesn't even make sense to me because like, it just doesn't seem healthy to me. I will tell you that I learned to like salmon. I did not like salmon three, four or five years ago. I didn't like salmon. I learned to like salmon because authentically I value health and part of that valuing health means that salmon is a healthy food. And I want to try to figure out how to get that in my life. So I'm healthy. Right. So authentically, like just because there's something happening and it seems authentic, I authentically had never eaten salmon in a way that I liked it, but I found value to getting that into my life. So how could I create that for myself from a place that felt authentic? Because once it's authentic, you're willing to fight for it. That's just who you are. You are willing to do what it takes to create that in your life. Okay. So we are talking about authenticity and then how do we use authenticity to kind of create the things that we want in our life. So think about this is going to be a series. One, we're going to talk about beliefs and two, we're going to talk about owning those beliefs. Okay. So if you're thinking of something that you're trying to create in your life, 
I want you to consider what are your beliefs about them? And then you have to kind of investigate those, interrogate, this is what we call interrogating it, right? Interrogate those beliefs. Are your beliefs in contrast with reality? Like, I believe I can fly from the roof. Well, reality and the law of gravity say that's not true. That's going to be in contrast with reality. I can't fly from the roof because gravity pulls me to the ground. Fine. So are your beliefs in contrast with reality? That's always a very important question. Am I fighting uphill here on something I'm never going to win? Challenge your beliefs. Like, you know, why do I believe that? Why do I, you know, why is that something I believe? Is that even true? Because certainly there are flying machines that fight gravity, right? Like, is that even true? And then you make sure you want them. Do I want to take the risk for flying off the roof all the time, like, and landing on the ground and hurting myself? Do I want that? Yes or no? And then am I willing to fight for it, right? Because that willingness to fight for it is very tightly tied to being authentic, okay? So that's the belief component, you know, the interrogation of our beliefs. And then there's the owning them. Are we willing to create it to do what it takes to make this a reality in my life? Are we willing to manifest this? And I mean, by manifesting, I don't mean by like thinking positive affirmations. I mean, am I willing to create this as a reality in my life? That's part of owning this thing that you say you want, this this desire that we say we authentically want. Am I willing to fight for it? Again, fighting for it is part of this authenticity, right? Am I willing to do it is kind of in that interrogation space, space, interrogating and like challenging our thoughts and thinking about our thoughts. And do we want to keep the thought and the belief that I have? That's part of that. But in the owning it component, what does it look like to actually fight for it? What does that look like? For me, if like somebody was arguing with me, you can't jump off the roof. You're going to hurt yourself. Fighting for it would be like, I'm going to do it anyway, right? Like right or wrong. Again, I don't believe I can fly from the roof. So this is something I really have to work at. But the ability to really do the hard things, to fight for them, to fight for creating this in your life. That's part of owning it, right? Working for them. Am I willing to put the hard effort into creating that? That's part of owning it. And then I think that it's a huge thing to be willing to be uncomfortable for the things that you authentically believe and want in your life and want to create in your life. That is part of owning it. I'm willing to be uncomfortable, even though people have judgment about me. I'm willing to be uncomfortable about their judgment. So I'm going to run through two examples. One is my kids and and family time and what I believe about my family and how it authentically aligns for me and walking through these steps. And then the second one I want to work on, of course, is our diabetes and looking at how we can use authenticity to create that health that we want in our life. So for my, for my kids and my family, I authentically see myself as a good mother. I love my kids deeply. And I truly believe and have always believed that it is my job to raise good upstanding citizens. For most women and most women I know, I find that this belief in parenting and, and in mothering is so deep into our core that we can't even help ourselves but to do this, okay? So this is my authentic kind of goal for parenting, that I am a deeply loving mother who raises good upstanding citizens for the world, right? So what am I believing about my kids that kind of create this? This is the first part of this interrogating our beliefs, right? Of looking at our beliefs. One, I believe that my kids are good souls, like in their heart of hearts and their soul of souls that they truly want 
goodness and wholesomeness. I believe that about my kids. And then the other thing that I believe to like create kids that are good upstanding citizens of the world is that they want to do well and work hard. That's something that I want to believe about my kids, right? So then I have to go through the process of interrogating these beliefs. Are they in, you know, are they in contrast with reality? Um, can I challenge these beliefs? Are there ways to, you know, is this true? Is this not true? Making sure that I want both of these things. I want good souls and I want good souls that are hardworking and do well. Um, and making sure that I'm willing to fight for them, right? Because if those, if there's any breakdown in that, I have to work past that breakdown, right? I have to work past where that's not aligning in order to create it aligned with my integrity and my authenticity so that I can move forward and from a powerful place, create that. So when I look at my beliefs, my kids are good souls and they want to do well and work hard. Are these things in contrast with reality? So I definitely see evidence that all of my kids are good souls. They're just good souls. They're good human beings. They're wholesome and loving. May, uh, you know, is it possible that others see different evidence? Absolutely, it's possible that others see different evidence. I do not. Now, if I ask myself, do I see that my kids want to do well and work hard? Yes, I think they want to do well and work hard, but they haven't, they don't always do that. Sometimes my children, like many, many other children, take the easy way, like I do, not just any other kid, right? Like this is just part of the human existence. We want the easy way. And I don't always have evidence that my kids are always wanting to do the hard work. You know, my one of my children, we just had parent-teacher conferences and their grades are, they, they're very much struggling with their grades. And this has been great to watch, okay? You know, watching my children get grades that don't represent this. And it's not all of my kids, but there's one of my kids that tends to be struggling with their grades right now. This does not represent this hardworking part, this doing well and hardworking in all areas of their life. So it's not entirely true. So when I look at like, does this align with reality? It's like, oh no, they're, they're definitely, it's not always aligned with reality. And then challenging it like, oh, I see where this isn't aligned with, with reality, but is it possible? Like challenging it, is it possible to do that lack of alignment with reality, right? My kid's not, my kid is not doing the hard thing and doing well in school. But the challenge is, is that the only truth? Is it possible that something else could be there? Is it po possible to teach them differently? Is there information that they need? Are there routines that I can put in place? Um, are there, you know, information that I can give to them so that they can understand how important it is for them to do well in school? So thinking about that, yeah, I mean, like there is information I can give my kids. I can talk to my child about like, you know, going to college, you're going to need grades that look like this in order to get into college. I can talk to them about like provide information about what it means to have a college degree and what it means, you know, earning potential and all of those things. Like there's all sorts of information that would have influence on the fact that, you know, maybe we're not applying ourselves in a way that looks like hard work at this point, right? There are routines like phones go up when you come home from school, no television when you come home from school, no, you know, no games, no nothing until we like look at your schoolwork. That has to be done first. And then that's a routine I can put into place, right? So there, when I look at the fact like this isn't aligned with reality because my child is not actually doing this work and coming to this place where like working hard is important. When I can see that, 
but then challenge it. Are there other things like this? Isn't the only truth that has to be, there are other options or other things that could also be true when I can see that. And then, you know, realizing those are the things that need to happen. Then I have to ask myself, you know, make sure, is this really what I want? Do I really want to put the time and energy into creating this? For me, it's a no brainer. Absolutely. I want the best for my kids always. I absolutely want good souls that are well upstanding citizens in in America, and I want them to do well and work hard. Absolutely. These are things that's just non-negotiable for me. So I'm absolutely making sure, like to make sure that I want it. Yeah, no question about that. But then thinking about whether you want to fight for it, right? Again, this is one of those no-brainers. I'm absolutely willing to fight for this for my kids. Always will be. I'll always be willing to fight for whatever it is that they need and want. where I have the agency to do so. So, and again, fighting for it might be like, oh, I'm willing to like be uncomfortable, right? I'm willing to maybe have my kids upset with me because now suddenly there's no phones and I'm making all these rules, right? Yep. I'm willing to do that because it aligns with me authentically to create that for my kids. So then learning to own, this is ours authentically, right? This is mine. Like, am I willing to manifest it? Or how does it look like to manifest, create this in my life? It looks like really putting in these routines. It looks like me contacting teachers. It looks like me taking time. I mean, there's just actions that I can take. And that's really manifestation. It's actions we can take from this place of where we authentically believe that this is what we're wanting to create. That is part of owning that authentically fighting for it. Again, me doing things when it's inconvenient for my kids, me doing things when it's inconvenient for me, me having hard conversations with teachers, all of that is part of that fighting for it. And again, it's such a powerful part of doing anything authentically is you have to be willing to fight for it. If for some reason you're not willing to fight for it, nothing is right or wrong. You just don't authentically want it. Okay. Working for the things, again, me making concessions in my scheduling, in my available time in order to create this available, you know, to make, to help my kids have everything that they need in order for them to be good, upstanding citizens of society, right? And again, this willingness, the fourth part of this ownership is this willingness to be uncomfortable. And that looks like being uncomfortable in parent-teacher conferences That looks like being uncomfortable with my kids when they're angry at me. That looks like being uncomfortable with my parents when my mom is like, oh, you need to ground them and you need it. And I'm like, I don't do it that way. And that's okay. Like, it's okay for my mom to be like, well, you're screwing it up. That's all right, mom. That's okay. Right. For me, I don't know that I want to ground my child for having grades that don't look great. I more want to teach them the skill set that they need to create those grades. And that means these routines, no, no, you know, playing after school, no fun, no games until homework has been addressed, you know, carving out X number of minutes or even maybe an hour or so a day in order to address your studies. That's far more helpful than saying you're grounded, figure it out. That's, that just doesn't line up for me. So that's not how I do it, but I have to be willing to be uncomfortable with people having opinions about how I should be doing it. Sometimes it's even the teachers. Well, with my kids, I, and I'm like, okay, all right. I listen to it. And sometimes the information is helpful, but a lot of times it's just this punishment thing. And I'm not 
there is a place for punishment, but I don't feel like this is necessarily it. So that is how I apply that to how I parent and how I am as a mother and how I raise my kids. Um, again, I feel like it is my job and I, I like this. I, you know, when I challenge it, I'm like, nope, this aligns with my value system. I am here to raise good upstanding citizens for the society and, you know, owning that and, you know, first challenging, what do I believe about it? And where is, you know, authentically, where am I with that? And then owning it in order to create it, um, from this place of strong authenticity, I think is the most powerful way to do this. So if we apply this to our diabetes, and I think that this is really like the, um, I don't know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, this is kind of the crux thing that we're trying to figure out. How, what are the tools? What are different tools that I can use to apply to my type two diabetes in order to create the difference, the result that I want in my life, that I authentically want in my life? And authentically, you probably don't want to be diabetic, right? Like that's why you're listening to this podcast. Authentically, you want your diabetes to be gone. You want to stop eating the foods that you know creates diabetes in your life, okay? What are your beliefs about this? So sometimes the belief is, you know, if I could just stop eating these foods, I know that my diabetes would be gone. Or there's a belief that it's quote unquote possible to not be diabetic. Or there's a belief that I can learn how to control my diabetes. Or sometimes it's um, a belief of, you know, I want to be able to eat the food, to have the food like normal people do. When we challenge these beliefs, are they in contrast with reality? Are, you know, is this something I want to hold? Does it align with my values? Is that challenge there? You know, do I really want them? And am I willing to fight for them? I think this is really helpful to evaluate when we're talking about your type 2 diabetes. So if your belief, you know, is there a belief that is in contrast with reality? The belief that it's possible that like if you could just stop eating this food, the diabetes would go away, that aligns with reality. Um, the belief that it's possible to not be diabetic aligns with reality because there's plenty of humans out there that aren't diabetic, right? Um, the belief that you can learn to control your diabetes. I mean, yeah, you can learn to control your diabetes. You can also just learn to not be diabetic, right? Like that all aligns with reality. I do question when a client comes to me and they're like, I just want to eat that food like normal people do. That for me and my brain and what I know, and again, there's this like information gathering component. The information that I have is there is no way that normal quote unquote people eat this food. This food is not normal quote unquote to a human being, period, end of sentence. And we like to say, yeah, but those people over there, they eat it and they aren't sick. Statistically, the medical literature does not support that. The medical literature supports that nine out of 10 Americans have metabolic disease in some way or another that typically is rooted in insulin resistance. So this idea that how normal people do it, I just want to, that I, I, for me, that doesn't align with reality. That's not, that is in contrast with reality in my brain. Okay. So whatever your beliefs are about you as a diabetic, it's possible to reverse. I just need to learn how to stop eating this food. All of those things, if they align for you with reality, then those are beliefs you want to hold on to as you're trying to create this version of you without diabetes. Okay. Challenging the beliefs. Um, 
And that's kind of what we just did with the belief about how normal people eat it. Like, I don't think that that's aligned with reality. Okay. Um, I would challenge it and say, that's not true. And I don't know that holding on to that thought is helpful. Um, you know, again, is it possible? Yes, it's possible. Can you control your diabetes? Yeah, absolutely. Challenging those thoughts, those thoughts all seem aligned. But then the question of making sure that you want them. You know, if it's not, you know, it's a case, it's totally the case that it's possible and you can learn to do it differently. But then when we talk about this, like, I want to learn how to eat it like normal people do. The truth of that, you know, when we actually look at whether that aligns, aligns with reality is there is no normal way to eat this food. This food is not normal to a human being, quote unquote, normal to a human being. And if that's the case, is it time that you actually have to break up with that food? And do you want that? Making sure that you want it. Do you want that? Yes or no? No right or wrong answer, but not expecting yourself to hold, quote unquote, authentically something that you're just not willing to do, right? Like that's part of creating this change. Do you actually want that? Yes or no? And then are you willing to fight for it? Again, that fighting for it is what makes it authentic. When you can say, yes, I see that these foods make me sick. And I even understand that biologically, there's probably no place in biology and in my body for these foods. I really am willing to make these changes. I want it. I, you know, yes, I'm making sure that I want it. Yeah, absolutely. And then are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing that when everybody else is eating those foods, for you to not eat those foods. Are you willing that when all of these people that you truly love and respect and care for are like, well, just a little bit's okay. You don't have to do without any of it. And you're willing to be like, yeah, I think I do. I'm willing to have that difficult, that discomfort. I'm willing to fight for the thing that I believe. And it's okay for you to be wrong and you and me not to agree, right? Are you willing to do that for this thing of not being diabetic that you want to create? If you work through all of those and you come out at the end of those questions and you're like, hell yeah, let's go. At that point, you need to own them. How do you then own this thing that you want authentically of not being diabetic? Number one, you know, how are you going to create the behaviors, the manifestation of this? How are you going to manifest this in reality? You know, once you've investigated and interrogated all your beliefs about it, now you understand, oh, I actually have to break up with these foods. Interesting. All this time, I didn't think I had to do this. I thought I could learn to quote unquote, eat it like a normal person, but this is what I want authentically. So now I'm going to manifest that. If you think about fighting for this, right? Like how am I wanting to fight for this thing? And that looks like you're around your spouse, you're around your significant other, you're out with your friends. Your friends are all eating fries and burgers and pizza. And you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And they're like, oh, just a bite won't be a problem. And you're like, yeah, a bite will be a problem. That food actually has created disease in my body and I'm not doing that. And you're willing to do that uncomfortable thing. That's the fighting for it, right? And you're willing to do it and you're okay with the conflict because you authentically want the outcome, right? You're willing to do the actions because you authentically want the outcome. The work, you know, taking extra seven minutes to figure out food for the day so that you know the carbohydrate count and you know that it's not going to set your blood sugars off and your cells will have the opportunity to heal up. You're willing to do that extra work because authentically you want that result. 
you're willing to be uncomfortable to watch everybody else see, eat the food and know in your brain, like, oh my God, that food tastes so good. And maybe have that desire and that feeling for that food. And you're totally okay with that because authentically you want the result, right? We do this with our kids, right? Like for my kids, I'm totally okay with my mom being upset with me about the way that I am choosing to manage my kids' grades because authentically I know what I want. And I authentically, I'm very connected to that. I'm okay with being in a conflict with the teachers at the parent teacher conference because authentically I know what I want. I'm okay in being in conflict with my kids because authentically I know I want them to have good grades and be good upstanding citizens. Am I willing to sit and sit with desire to put the extra work into planning my food and grocery shopping to be in conflict with family members or loved ones or girlfriends about what I quote unquote can and cannot eat? Am I willing to do these hard things because authentically I want that result? This is kind of where authenticity really just is the most powerful thing that you can utilize to help yourself create what you want in your life. This is, of course, what we work on in coaching. Again, you know, I've said it a million times. You don't need me to tell you to stop eating chocolate cake. You know that chocolate cake creates diabetes. You don't need me to tell you that. Why you continue to make these decisions that you know are keeping yourself sick, that is what coaching helps you with. That is what my program helps you with. So if you're a woman with type 2 diabetes and you want to put this diabetes behind you, you want to learn how to live a life that's diabetes-free, that's what my six-month program is for. If that's something you're interested in, if you're ready to invest in that to make this change in your life, send me a message, delane at delanemd.com. I'm happy to set you up for a consult and we'll get you started in the program and on your path to fixing your type 2 diabetes. I hope you found this helpful. I think authenticity is awesome and just truly a powerful thing. Um, if you have any questions about this concept, certainly don't hesitate to reach out to me, Delane at Delane MD, and I will be back next week with another podcast. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.